welcome to the second episode of Four Dudes and a Mic, recording live on winter solstice, just in time for a Christmas episode. My name is Matt Jensen. I'm your illustrious host this evening. Delighted to be with you all again. We're just going to go around real quick and uh, intro the host of the, uh, the podcast tonight, just set the scene before we move into our topics of discussion. So like I said, my name's Matt. Really excited to be recording episode number two. Thanks for the feedback from everybody who uh, tuned in for the first episode and let us know their thoughts. We really appreciate it. I, uh, I'm going to pass the torch here to my second Matt. Ivester, tell us uh, who you are and what you're doing here. Yeah, I'm Matt Ivester, and uh, y'all dragged me here against my will. The end. <laughs> Outstanding. All right, Stemler, who are you, man? My name is Mike Stemler. Uh, my wife may or may not be in labor right now. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty sure she is, but we appreciate Stemler's commitment to being here tonight. BK, where are you at, man? I am uh, posted up at the house. My name is uh, Brandon Crystal, a.k.a. BK, a.k.a. B, a.k.a. Big B, a.k.a. BMC. Um, I just had knee surgery in the past three or four hours, so um, whatever comes out of my mouth, just uh, take it for a grain of salt. Thanks. We are a ragtag bunch right now. <laughs> and that one, that's what makes us so lovable. <laughs> All right, John, how are you, man? Hey guys, uh, John Goodwin. Uh, I'm here for the party. I guess I'll stay a while. I uh, do not have any open wounds and my wife is not about to go into labor. Well, that's a good start, isn't it? So winter solstice, we're careening towards Christmas at a terrifying rate here. I thought it'd be an apt time to do a bit of a holiday special episode. And I'm really interested in hearing about y'all's favorite Christmas traditions. You know, coming from a non-North American background, Christmas has looked pretty different for me growing up. I, uh, I find the whole Christmas thing really interesting and, and honestly kind of overwhelming. So I'm interested in hearing what you all really enjoy about the holiday season and, and the kind of things that make Christmas Christmas in your house, you know, beyond the birth of our Lord and Savior. Stemler, do you have anything to say about Christmas? What makes the holiday season special for you? So the one tradition we had growing up was that we would open our presents on Christmas Eve, and then uh, the next morning we'd open presents from Santa. And so to, I don't have a kid yet, but uh, I'm sure you guys maybe have had that moment where you like walk in on your kid doing something they shouldn't do, and they like pause, like and freeze and stare at you. Well, like I had the reverse experience of that one time growing up. My sister and I went to sleep, you know, before. Santa came and we, we walked out and the lights were off. I saw my mom carrying gifts out to put under the tree for the next morning. And she like, just like dropped the gift and froze <laughs> and like just stared at me like, uh, and I didn't say anything. So I just went back to bed and acted like I didn't see her. And the next morning she pulled the, like, Oh, Santa brought gifts. And like, I just went along with it. And she never actually told me that Santa wasn't real. So have you ever talked about that since? Or is that like unspoken in your family? I think of the first time we talked about it was like two years ago for real, like straight up. Like we haven't talked about it since then. Cause I think she was petrified. Like I just like ruined my childhood, my, my son's childhood Santa fantasy, which is uh hilarious, but it was just, I will never forget like coming out and having that reverse moment of like, I caught my mom doing something she shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> so that was pretty, that was a, that was a good memory. But the only tradition we had was we opened up gifts on Christmas Eve instead of uh, in the morning. Yeah. Right. So did you believe in Santa before that happened? Did I really believe in Santa before it happened? I mean, every kid believes in Santa. I would hope so. Yeah. Not me. Not so ever. she didn't. So she did. So she ruined the whole Santa thing for you. 
I mean, that was definitely like it got ruined in that moment, one hundred percent. But I, but it wasn't like I was mortified by it. I was like, oh well, that makes sense. Like no red, no fat dudes coming down a chimney. We didn't even have it. We didn't even have a chimney at that point. So I knew <laughs> something was up. I was starting to put the pieces together. You know what I'm saying? Like I was starting to solve the riddle already. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was mortified, but like that was definitely like the clencher of like knowing Santa didn't exist. Uh, have you seen Santa Claus with Tim Allen? <laughs> I just he, watched that movie two nights ago. just appears. That's how, that's how it happens. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, what are your uh, favorite Christmas traditions? Uh, I don't. I never really had any Christmas traditions growing up. Uh, we used to go to uh, go see a light show over at Lake Lanier, the lights, but that was it. Um, I think I'm married into a big Christmas tradition family. So my wife and I, we do a Christmas Eve movie and dinner and then the one thing i think uh, a lot of y'all like is the uh the making of the party mix oh yeah of the uh of the crack so it's uh that's about it i mean it's nothing too crazy um, i'm probably there's probably a lot more but just those are pretty simple ones that i think we do most what about you john what makes the holiday special so i actually have a few um and two are serious and one is a little bit ridiculous my first one can we is, guess which uh, one's which can we guess which is <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like two truths and a lie sure yeah. so the first one uh and i guess this is pretty common but it's just something i always remember is that christmas eve after uh, we come come home from church we would drive around the neighborhood or just like kind of the surrounding area or if it was like a street on the way home uh, we just kind of check out all the christmas lights that people had put up their displays and uh i don't know it's just always fun to see houses lit up on christmas eve the second one is when we got home from uh, church, we would set up luminaries in the driveway and we would fill up like paper bags with, I guess it was like cat litter and you put like tiny little candles in them and we'd line the driveway with these, with these bags. You obviously light the candles and it's a really cool sight. I mean, it, and it signified uh, Jesus, Jesus had come, right? And the light had, had come into the world. So, um, that was that was something that I, I always remember. And then the third one, there is a book. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but there's a book called The Cajun Night Before Christmas. Uh, I'm not uh, joking. So I actually, uh, I do not have the book with me, but I was able to find some of the transcript. And if I may, I would just like to read a couple lines from this book. And you just have to imagine how the words are spelled because I'll try my best to read it the way that it's written. Time out. If you don't read this in a Cajun accent, don't even try to read it. <laughs> I want some Bobby Boucher in your voice. Watch, <laughs> watch and learn, boys. Okay, we're ready. It was, it, was, it was several years ago when my dad actually passed this tradition on to me. Now it is my job and the family to read this book on Christmas Eve. So you're going to share this tradition with us and the podcast contingent list. I'm just I'm just going to read a few lines because the to read the whole thing would be too long. It's just to give you an idea. All right, let's hear it. I'll just read the first uh, three stanzas, I suppose. <laughs> Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house. <laughs> they don't a ting pass, not even <laughs> a mouse. The children been snuggle all good snuggle on the floor. And mama passed the pepper through the crack in the door. <laughs> then mama in the fireplace done roast up the ham, stir up the gumbo, and make bake the yam. 
So we would read that. I mean, that was a must. Obviously, oh my God. you read the biblically accurate Christmas story. There might be like Max, a couple Max uh, Lucado, Lucado books in there. But the Cajun Night Before Christmas was the cleanup hitter. Honestly, I feel like that needed a trigger warning. <laughs> oh my God, dude. <laughs> I'll be happy to uh, read the rest of it to you guys later. And actually, I found a picture on uh, online that is really creepy, and I'll post it to our Twitter page if anybody listening is interested. Really creepy. Anyway, Merry Christmas, everyone. We need, we're closing the podcast with you finishing that story. That's what we're doing. All right, BK, uh, I dare you to follow that, mate. Yeah, thanks for uh, setting me up on that one, guys. <laughs> you sound right. tired. You sound tired. Yeah. You're literally exhausted right now. So for me, um, didn't really have a lot of uh, Christmas um, traditions that were at least enjoyable enough to um, want to carry on in the future. Um, really, most of our tradition uh, was based around going to my uh, great grandmother's house, and um, which kind of smelled like mothballs. And she had these two evil Siamese cats that would um, just randomly attack people um, if you got within like a five uh, foot radius of my great grandmother. Um, and so, you know, it kind of sucked. Um, didn't really enjoy going over there. Was always terrified. Uh, she was infamous for, um, re-gifting gifts that <laughs> she was given the years before. So quite often, um, you know, the gift that she was given by you two years ago would find its way back to, um, your stack of gifts. Um, well, hang on two years would later. That, would that be a deliberate strategy? Would you oh, absolutely. absolutely. You wanted and then wait for it to come back? No, no, not usually. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of like, um, you know, yarn and crocheting needles (laughs) and and things of that nature. Um, so, but you know, she was, she was known for that. And, uh, you know, we didn't challenge her. We were all deathly afraid of her. And so we just accepted our fate and knowing that, um, it was just part of the, uh, of the, of the spiel over there at her house. Um, you know, typically I was known for pulling some Christmas shenanigans that uh, lead to good stories that my mom likes to tell that embarrasses me um, slightly. Um, so, you know, probably one of my more famous ones was uh, uh, I was about 10 years old and I convinced my sister, who was uh, five at the time, <laughs> to unwrap all the gifts um, and hide them underneath her bed. And uh, proceed to tell my parents that someone broke into the house in the middle of the night and stole all the gifts. <laughs> oh man! And so they, uh, you know, got wise to it when they found this giant stack of paper hidden in my sister's closet, um, and called the police. And actually, had the police show up. And uh, at that point, we were both very terrified and confessed, and were in tears. But you know, that was kind of uh, the taste of the Crystal household growing up. Um, you know, I like to mix it up a little bit on Christmas. For Christmas holidays. With some casual licensing. Exactly. Mate, well, uh, honestly, that sounds a bit grim. Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. tossing the booty on that one. Well, you know what? You tee it up, I hit it out. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, BK. Thanks, guys. So uh, Christmas for us growing up uh, back home wasn't really a big deal. I mean, all the Christmas carols are kind of snow Christmas and reindeer and... 
one horse sleighs and things, which don't really make sense when it's like 110 degrees outside and, and it's too hot to walk on the sand at the beach. Uh, so Christmas is never really a big deal growing up. Uh, but when my wife and I got married here in the States in November 2009, my mum came over uh, to the States at Christmas and uh, was just blown away by the way Americans do Christmas. And so now she's like the world's biggest Christmas fan. And honestly, it's kind of a bit of a shame it hit late. You know, like where was that magic when I was growing up? But uh, one of my coworkers was asking me, what is Australian Christmas like? And I was kind of thinking back over some of my childhood Christmases. And I recalled a time we got home from family holiday or vacation on Christmas Eve. My dad was unpacking the car in the front yard, getting all the suitcases out and legitimately got bit by a snake and had to spend Christmas in a hospital. And so I feel like that's probably reasonably quintessential. Uh, so I'm just going to leave my Christmas traditions there with <laughs> family members being hospitalized from venomous creatures. You said my story was depressing and dark. <laughs> yeah. But dad pulled through. Look, <laughs> he's looking healthier than ever. <laughs> oh, Lord. And, uh, here, in, here in week two of Four Dudes and a, four, four dudes and a Mic, we're going to introduce a couple of uh, what will probably be reoccurring segments. So the first one we want to talk uh, about tonight is, is entitled Mike's Story of the Week. Now, Mike Stemler is infamous for uh, two reasons, really, really good stories and really, really bad stories. And so uh, in this podcast, we're going to give him 90 seconds to tell us a story. And we want it to be either funny or entertaining. And if at any point it's neither of those things, we're going to buzz him out. And I've got my taboo buzzer here ready to go. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, tee it up. There we go, Mike. Uh, make us laugh, mate. So my freshman year of college, about a month into college, you know, first time leaving the house, I'm 18 years old. I go and eat at Subway on campus, which is like the bane of my existence now, Subway. <laughs> and so I eat I eat a Subway sub and like all of a sudden I get the rumblies in my stomach. And, you know, I'm like upstairs in my dorm and like I'm 18 years old. First time being away like from home, sickness is upon me, away from your mom. And all of a sudden I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I got to throw up. My roommate's on the track and field team, so he's not in the room. So it's just in the dorm room. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to throw up. I got to throw up. So like I go and I grab the 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 trash can to throw up, and as I'm getting ready to throw up, I feel like I gotta take a poop. Like I got a, I got diarrhea coming on, you know. You got the double thunder coming down, you know. You got the throw up, and then you got the number. You got the. It's just bad news bears. So I have to make a conscious decision: Do I throw up in the trash can and poop in my pants, or do I have to like poop in the trash can and throw up on the floor? So I was like. I'm going to throw up in the trash can. So I just like hurled in the trash can and pooped all in my pants, diarrhea, like liquid explosion, diarrhea, and just like running down my legs, like so bad. And I just remember in that moment thinking like, why did I ever like decide to leave my mom's side at home? And I had to like do like the duck waddles in the bathroom without <laughs> dripping feces in the hallway of the dorm. This was like a month into my college experience and like, I was I was mortified, man. But you know, did things improve? Uh, things improved immensely. That was probably the low point of my <laughs> college career. Considered rock bottom. <laughs> that was rock bottom. I think it's sure. bottom. <laughs> just your college career? <laughs> what? What do you mean, just my college career? I mean, that would be a low point in my entire life, not just my. <laughs> Oh God! Well, you've never got the double thunder, dude. <laughs> like, you haven't got the double thunder. You don't know what's up. Like no, it happens to everybody yeah. at some point. 
I want to congratulate you on what was a very, very brave choice for the first Mike story of the week. And you survived buzzer free. Yeah. So, <laughs> gentlemen, that was a truly stupendous uh, first effort. Thank you. Thank you very much. Which segues really nicely into our, uh, our next regular reoccurring segment, which is Matt's medicine cabinet. So uh, I work in healthcare. And so we're going to take the uh, opportunity here for me to throw around some medical terms and the boys have to try and define them. So I've got three terms here. I'm going to say the first one and then we're uh, just going to go around the group and everybody has two seconds to try and work out what they think this condition is. And then uh, I'll tell you the real answer and we'll move on to the next one. Everybody ready? Thinking caps on. If we had some Jeopardy music, John, that'd be awesome, but uh, I'll put you on the spot there. (laughs) All right. The first word is obdormition. Obdormition. Ivester, what is obdormition? Uh, I have no idea. I don't have a guess. Ivester, that's the worst response I've ever heard. I don't have a guess for that. Go get on your little obdormition. The obvious choice being something about a dormitory, but uh, you've squandered your opportunity. Over to you, Stemma. Oh, no, no, no. You can't just get mad because you've been thinking about this as you've been writing this. No, you pass. Obdomition is, it's obviously an admission of something, so it's leaving something out. And obdo, I'm going to say obdo is something with the eyes. So maybe you're, you've lost a retina or something. I have, that's, that's my best guess. Hey, not bad, not bad. How about uh, you there, Johnny Boy? I think um, it, it, it is going to be really vague, but uh, I'm, I'm going to start here. Uh, it, it deals with being unconscious for sure. You're, you're unconscious and you are being wheeled into the hospital. So I guess, I, yeah, I guess like Mike, you're being admitted unconsciously to the hospital oh wow there's got to be an icd 10 code for that what do you think bk <laughs> um i think it means that you've lost both of your legs and <laughs> you have to fly it's to be flown in a helicopter to save your life you know what bk is actually the closest Oh my God. What is it? Abdormition. You know, when you're like, uh, you fall asleep on the couch or something, and when you wake up, your arm's still asleep and you can't feel it? That is abdormition, yeah. when your limb falls asleep. Heck yeah. So we experience abdomition regularly oh, in our own lives. Well, I don't know. I can't experience your life, but I certainly do. And what about, wake up, what about when you sit on the toilet too long and your legs start to fall asleep? Well, we'd ask, uh, we'd ask Stemler about that, but he didn't make it there. All right. You ready for the next one? I did my I did not make it to the toilet, that's for sure. <laughs> All righty. Do we I go. get points for uh, limbs being unconscious? Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> you get, you get half right. a point for that, John. Well done. Sure. Next one. I'm excited to hear that Ivis actually has an answer this time. Hey, don't swing it to me first, though, this time. Yeah, okay? we're we like, I'll man. go first. I volunteer as tribute. Okay. Put me first. Man, I'm going to nail this. Okay. Second phrase. Nocturnal enuresis. Nocturnal. Nocturnal enuresis, Correct. easy. Okay, at night yep. you have, at night you're sleeping, and so while you're mid sleep, your anus cavity becomes <laughs> tightened, and so you have a nocturnal enuresis, and it's just like a cramp in your anus cavity. That's my take on that one. <laughs> right, you're pretty good with Latin. Let's uh, turn that over to John. What do you think, John? Nocturnal enuresis. Well, it certainly is something at night. Uh, and your and uh, can I have the spelling, please? Um, I think let's see. It would be um, either peeing the bed, or um, maybe maybe it's just sleepwalking. 
Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. BK, give it to us. Nocturnal and Euresis. I'm all about the uh, bedwetting answer on that one. Well, you, we know you're all about the bedwetting. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I was going to go with that. Nocturnal meeting night, nighttime. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a nocturnal animal. Latin. Established. Yes, established. Yes. Euresis? Is that how you say it? Enuresis. Enuresis. I think something to do with the urethra. Urethra. <laughs> <laughs> how about that? Oddly specific, but yeah, yeah, something to do with your urethra. Tell you what, boys, you're actually really good at this medical thing. It is, in fact, wetting the bed. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Two for two. What's up, right. dude? That's unreal. I wasn't even close. John sneaks into the lead with this game. Our third <laughs> and final uh, for tonight in Matt's medicine cabinet. Vasovagal syncope. This one you might have heard bandied about. This is pretty common. Vasovagal syncope. We're going to give it to John first this time. Um, irregular heartbeat. Ooh, cardiac. I like it. BK? Uh, yeah, I'll go with a uh, heart attack. Just a straight-up heart attack. Okay. Straight-up right. heart attack. I mean, I don't know. I think I have a feeling it has to be something, um, you know, with your heart, vascular, all the above. Yep. So let's see, what, let's see if I can uh, figure it out. All right. So BK's official answer is D, all of the above. Yep. Vasovagal syncope. This is the one where, like, the people that vape a lot, their e-cigarettes blow up in the face. Vape Lord. <laughs> vape Lord. All right, Stemler Vape Lord. Uh, vasal vagal, vagal, I can't even say it, but definitely something vascular and syncope has to do with syncopation, I believe. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, uh, Goodwin on this one and kind of piggyback off him and say, it's like, it has to do with an irregular heartbeat. Mate, uh, as always, you all astound me with your, your intellect. Vasovagal syncope is the act of fainting, usually due to overactive parasympathetic stimulation of the nervous system. So well done, boys. That was a successful Matt's Medicine Cabinet round one. Wait, no one got that last one right. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to dwell on that. I think Matt's more pumped about uh, – it just reaffirms his uh, superiority when you compare him to the rest of us. You know, Amen. I'm just going to be honest with you guys for a second. If you ever do that Myers-Briggs and it says, do you think you're more superior than other people, I always take Yes. <laughs> if, you, if you don't pick yes you're a bitch that's what i would say all right, language warning for the kids at home sorry okay, so uh, all right i just want to i want to talk about something real quick here boys so i'm going to get really vulnerable and i hope that you respect that and and kind of just open up a little bit about this as well have any of you fellas ever had a mani pedi oh, a manic yes. manicure pedicure right yes ivis is a firm yes how about any of you other guys no. I have had I've had a manicure and a pedicure, yes. Oh wow, all right. Wait, I've not had a manicure. I've had a pedicure before. BK, anything from you? Well, I'm a real man, so no. I have if not. you saw if you saw Brandon's feet, you'd know the answer. <laughs> yeah. It's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a picture on Twitter for you, everybody. <laughs> John, many petty? Never. Nope. All right. Okay, so a little shout out for my local place here. If you're in Hampton Roads area, Jake's place is where you got to get your hair cut. I was in there a while ago and they're like, hey, Matt, would you ever be interested in being a model for our apprentices to learn how to do Manny Petties on? <laughs> I'm like, don't really know what that is, but it sounds free, so I'm in, right? So now I'm like six of these things deep and I'm addicted and they're absolutely awesome, right? But uh, I was in there a couple of weeks ago getting one done 
and while I was sitting in the chair having, you know, people rub down my feet and, and buff my nails and stuff, I was like, do you know what? I've just had a brainwave. I think instead of a mani-pedi, you should call it a manly petty, demystify it and get the fellas involved. So what do you think of that? Manly petty. Would you be more likely to get one BK if I told you it was called a manly petty? No, I still don't want someone rubbing on my gross feet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you kind of underwhelming me there. I I thought I was onto something. What do you think, John? There needs to be a beer involved, maybe poured over the feet before the pedicure is given, and a nice massage will do do the trick. Kind of like washing the feet of Jesus just with alcohol. Well, it's it's kind of like getting your toes uh, (laughs) pre-gamed. Would it help if I told you that Jake's Place gives you a free beer? Absolutely. I've, I've gotten a hot shave at Jake's. Um, but Yeah, I mean, sure, beer, yes. Did they have a clever name for it, for the hot shave? Anything as good as Manly Petty? I don't no. think you need a clever name for a hot shave. Like, that sounds appealing. Yeah. Like, why would you need to change the name? <laughs> Valid point. I didn't, you know, I suggested this to the girls doing the Manny Petty. I'm like, hey, what about Manly Petty? And they're like, oh, yeah, good one, Matt. So (laughs) they weren't on board either. All right, lads, we're running a little long on this episode here. So we're just going to step straight into our serious topic for this week. And uh, and we don't want to belabor this. You know, I'm just really interested, honestly, in getting uh, your opinions and insights uh, succinctly on this issue. It's kind of a really hot topic right now in the media here in the United States. I know we do have some international listeners. I'm not sure if this is making waves overseas or not, but... Here in, here in the States, what we're seeing at the moment is after the, I guess Harvey Weinstein was kind of the, uh, the gaslight for all of this, the pilot light, but we're just seeing wave after wave of accusations of sexual assault and harassment um, coming out against men who are very powerful and, and, uh, and known in, in public circles. And, uh, you know, it's really honestly quite distressing, I think, for a lot of people seeing what's going on just with people who've been so well respected being accused and and, uh, sometimes proven to have committed these horrific acts of uh, abuse of trust and power. And, uh, you know, I want to make it really clear here on Four Dudes and a Mic, we're we're not here to weigh in on these accusations themselves, their validity. Uh, You know, we know no inside information and we don't want to get involved in that at all. But uh, what I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on is uh, what we're seeing in this kind of trial by media sort of thing that's going on. What I'm noticing is that uh, we've moved into this stage in the media where we're seeing an accusation leveled, reported on as fact, and then immediate ramifications, you know, with, with, no, with no real pause for investigation or any kind of formal trial process to are underway, but these people are still being deemed to be guilty of their, uh, their charges. And I just, I'm interested in what people think about this change in, in what I would think of as the the burden of proof with these accusations being leveled. Does that question kind of make sense? Do people know what I'm getting at there? Yeah, I got you. I think I'll chime in. I'll chime in first real quick because like, I don't necessarily have a huge stance on the matter. I think the biggest thing that I would bring up is that anybody who's going to be in the public eye or who's going to enter into that realm of being on media and stuff like that, I just feel like you have to take the stance of like, if, I'm, if you're going to be close to the line, you're going to have issues no matter what. You've got to be so far away from the line that it just is what it is. And I just think it is nature, the nature of being a public figure. Like I said, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I just, that's how I feel about it. And I just think that 
you have to separate yourself as far as far away from it as possible. Um, whether you're going to be falsely accused or whatever, like there can't be any merit for anybody to stand on. And um, I'm also just of the belief that like if there if something does come up, if there is, you know, a question about some kind of interaction or something with a female and a male or whatever, you know, anything inappropriate that something had to have happened. I don't think people just blatantly do it. Now, again, I'm not a huge public figure. Maybe people do it to people who are just rich and famous because they're trying to get money. I get that. But that's where you have to be so far on the other line that it's just, it's just nonsense. So I don't necessarily have a huge viewpoint on it, but I guess when you, when you talk, you mess just about talking about this topic, that's where my mind instantly went was just, you know, you just got to be above reproach is kind of the way that I think about it, but that could be just a naive, naive viewpoint. Yeah. Good one, Mike. Anybody else have any thoughts on this? I, I think, um, it's, we live in a world today where it's almost like if you don't defend yourself, you're, you're guilty. And I, that is not to uh, diminish any of these claims that have been brought forth by any of these women. Uh, but, and this is, this is a poor comparison because it's not apples to apples. But if you think back to um, Lance Armstrong, when he was winning all those Tour de France races and, uh, he was accused of doping and he denied vehemently over and over again that he was, you know, taking any of these um, steroids or enhancing drugs or whatever it was. And finally, years later, after he had like sued people that tried to blow the whistle on him, uh, he, he basically ruined these people's lives for, for they were telling the truth, apparently, because he came out years later and he admitted like, OK, like, yeah, I did that. So uh, the reason the reason why I bring that up is because here's somebody who so vehemently took a stand and said I did not do that and then it took years for him to come clean. Now if you don't say anything and you kind of slip back into the shadows and retire so to speak, then you're assumed guilty as well. Uh I, and that's just kind of I guess where we are as a culture. I'm no expert on it and I know those two those two situations by any means are there. The degrees are way, way different. Uh, doping is far less an offense, uh, you know, than it is sexual harassment. But I think now that it is, it's trial by media. And as soon as you hear a rumor or read a headline, it must be fact. That's, that's the thinking. Yeah. I think you're, you're spot on there, mate. What do you think? Avistar? Yeah, I think kind of like what John was saying, I think this applies to almost anything in the media nowadays, too, where you see so many headlines that are just so far out there. And I know it's been around in the media, the clickbait. Everyone's talking about clickbait. <laughs> just so you can click on the article and read it. Um, it's hard because, I mean, we live in this world where it's like instant access to everything. If you don't have an opinion right away with a popular the popular opinion, then you're instantly wrong and you're grouped in kind of like John was saying. Um, it's, it's tough because you, you really want to believe the women you know, because of these, the, uh, the crimes that they're saying that these men did, which is absolutely horrible. But in some ways you kind of want to say, gosh, I just, I don't know, maybe because I don't live in that world. I don't understand how my mind doesn't work like that. So I, some of these accusations are just like, really? Like, I can't believe this is, this is real life. Like it doesn't, doesn't seem real life sometimes. So, um, 
but when you were, we were talking about this or kind of going back and forth with this, the topics, y'all remember the 2014, that UVA scandal, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? The Rolling Stone, article. the Rolling Stone article, how the Rolling Stone article just, they took a story of this accusation of this girl that said that she was raped by seven men at a frat mm-hmm. party. And they immediately posted it on Rolling Stone article. It went just, it went viral, everything. And these kids, this, the whole, well, the whole frat, I think the society like was banned. UVA put a ban on them for the rest of the year. And all these kids were getting uh, their, their lives ruined. And it came out that she made the whole thing up. She lied about the entire thing. So it's just hard to, you know, you kind of want to sit back and see how everything plays out. But, you know, nowadays you're not a lot of that time to sit back and see how everything plays out. You have to have an opinion right away. Yeah. So it's tough. The outrage generation is in full effect here. Yeah. What do you think, BK? Um, I've got similar feelings as the rest. Uh, you know, I think my biggest struggle with um, the way that media is driving um, a lot of these, um, you know, large scale, um, com- I, I mean, large scale accusations towards people that, especially you know, some of the big name people in media. Um, it's been recent, you know, there's been everything from, um, people at NBC to the NFL network to just recently, you know, ESPN, it seems like it's almost every media outlet, something's popping up every week. And, um, you know, I think the hard thing is, is, is you feel the pressure to make a decision as to who you agree with immediately. Um, and, and it's, and it's hard, uh, for me to fathom, um, the idea that you aren't going to do the due diligence to educate yourself and actually look for facts, look for understanding. Um, and, and also sometimes maybe you don't even necessarily need to side with it. You know, like I don't think that we all, we necessarily always need to have, um, a, a vocalized opinion about everything. And, um, uh, I just feel like this is, uh, such a, such a tough topic. And, um, and there's just a lot of pressure. It's like a pressure cooker. And at some point, um, you know, I feel like it's going to explode because it's just constantly something every day. I mean, even yesterday, um, stuff with the USA, uh, gymnastics scandal. Um, mm. and so it's just, it's tough. You know, I feel like for me personally, um, I always want to have sympathy for the victim quote unquote, and, um, also have understanding for the accused, um, and then take the time, take a breath actually read up on it and, and form an opinion that's not based off of Twitter or Instagram or uh, CNN or Fox, but actually um, read as much information as I can and, um, and make a, um, you know, an educated opinion on it, not just, uh, you know, what I saw on Twitter and, uh, you know, the witch hunts that are being created sometimes um, for either party, you know. Yeah. So. Well said. I guess I have a question. I have a question for all the guys here, and I know we got a special guest about to come on, but this is this is just something in my mind that comes up. Can you think back on any instance for y'all personally where you feel like if you were famous would have came up, like where somebody would have used that instance against you, like oh well that was he was being sexually inappropriate? No, no. But that's my point. <clears throat> like that, to me, that's my point. Like I just I feel like you have to be above it. Like you have to rise above that. If you're a public figure, like wake up. Like I, I don't, and I, I don't want to say like everything's factual, but like you can't sit here and tell me that those dudes at UVA didn't do something. 
Like I'm not, I'm not going to believe that they did something to do something. Well, perception is reality too. I mean, you got to keep that in mind as well. So if it's perceived that you're doing something wrong, it's you're you're doing something wrong in the public eye. So yeah, I don't want to get us lost in the weeds here, boys. So uh, as uh, Mike mentioned just there, we do in fact have a really special guest here with us tonight. We're uh, really cognizant here at Four Dudes and a Mike that we are in fact four dudes and a dude named Mike. Uh, so we wanted to get a female perspective on what is, you know, a really massive issue going on in society right now. So uh, I'd just like to really quickly introduce Lauren here, who's a friend of the show, and just like to get her opinion on on what's going down in the media right now. Not so much, you know, the accusations themselves, but how she as a woman feels about the the rapidity or the speed at which people are being condemned with accusations. Lauren, would you like to speak to that for just a moment? Yeah, I'd love to. And thank you all for having me on. I come to this issue, I guess, with kind of a unique point of view. And uh, that's just because I'm someone who's had to report sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, And it's something that I I guess, you know, 10 years ago, I had a different view on, but now I kind of have a different view. Uh, It's, it's, it's a very polarizing issue right now. Uh, It's, kind of like any big issue we have in the country. It's very divisive. Uh, But I think what it comes down to for me is respect. And I feel like we've lost a lot of that respect in the country, especially in the media. There's no doubt about that. But we've just lost, you know, separating what's right and wrong, but also not victimizing people and not crucifying people for doing things that are wrong and writing them off. I feel like the media has done a really great job of, you know, you can make a mistake and then just absolutely crucifying people after that. And I don't think that's right. But I will say as someone who has some experience with sexual harassment, there's just really not any way for a victim to come forward unless I think there's legal action. And we've seen some of that lately with uh, lawsuits and the like, especially with some more you know, wealthy people are being accused. I just don't think that the victim has a lot of reason to come forward. You're not getting anything out of that. Um, When I reported my sexual harassment, it was, you know, I've had people that didn't know about it until all of this started coming to light in the media. And I didn't want to talk about it. Like, I felt like it was my fault. So I guess I come at it with a very interesting perspective because you know, you want to feel for those people. Absolutely. Having been there, you do feel like it was your fault, um, even though it was in the workplace and there was nothing that you did wrong. But you also see people who are taking it as people who make mistakes and then just totally go too far on the other side of it. And just because this person made a mistake, does that mean they're not effective at their job? Does that not mean they're a good person? And I think it just comes back to that respect factor. I struggle with you know, where do we extend grace to people who have made mistakes? And how do we stop people who are systematically abusing their power? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Really well said, Lauren. Uh, we appreciate your openness and willingness to come on the show and talk about this issue. Matt, could I add something too? I think um, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, reference some scripture. Uh, and I, I don't mean to, I know I realize not everybody that listens to our podcast may not be, uh, of the Christian faith, but, um, we, we are, the five of us are. And so I think it's important to try to weave that in somehow. Um, and, and not that we're like holier than anybody. Um, but I think that it's just important to, 
hopefully give people perspective. You know, Matthew said that, uh, like, he, he doesn't even, he can't even imagine a world where this goes on. And I can't either. And I think it's because, like, the way we try to live our lives and not because we're amazing dudes, um, because we mess up in tons of ways every day. But um, just, I just want to read this scripture real quick. I'll, I'll, I'll get to it eventually. Sorry for that little soapbox moment. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Now there's there's some language in there. Maybe you're not married, so you don't you you're unable to be faithful to your wife but i just think like that the guys in these situations the same goes for them i mean you when you have that high profile you have to be above reproach and if you're not there is potential to get into trouble and i'm not saying that 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 sort of sounds like i'm diminishing claims and i don't mean to i just think to stay away from even the remote possibility of accusations coming against you, whether you're a celebrity or just you might go to work tomorrow uh, or next week or whenever, and there's a possibility it could happen to you. I think that this is a good lens for us, uh, the five of us here, that we live our lives this way. And I don't mean to speak out of turn or isolate anybody who's listening again, but um, that's just that's important to me personally. Yeah, that was really well said, John. Thanks for weighing in with that. I think that's uh, probably an appropriate place to land uh, on, the, on the finality of Scripture there. Uh, just a final wrapping up couple of thoughts here. First off, uh, don't forget to look us up on Facebook, for Dudes and a Mic, on Twitter, at for Dudes Mike, and uh, we're also on Instagram, at the same. Uh, we really appreciate having everybody along tonight. Thank you, Lauren. Also, a couple of uh, special shouts out to BK, who is literally post-anesthetic and made a staggering amount of sense considering the amount of narcotics rattling around in his body. So <laughs> huzzah to BK. And uh, also a special mention to our good friend of the show, Heather, who is having contractions at this moment and still allowed Mike to come out and uh, share his wisdom with us. Uh, <laughs> it is impressive. impressive. So uh, this, uh, this episode is hereby dedicated to Shane Stemler, should he arrive in the near future. Yes. Footsteps, baby footsteps. Baby footsteps. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone. We really appreciate you having us uh, into your homes, into your cars as you go about and, and taking the time to listen to us. We're four, four dudes and a mic, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Merry Christmas. He put Bonnie's hand there on top of his head, cast an eye on the chimney, and then he done said, With all of that fire and burning hot flame, me, I ain't going back by the way that I came. So he run out the door and he climbed to the roof. He ain't no fool, him for make one more goof. He jump in his skiff and crack his big whip. The gator move down and don't make one slip. And I hear him shout loud as a splashing he go, Merry Christmas to all, till I saw you some more.